in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bully-proofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. Folks, we're a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent and we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. And when you come in to visit, leave your wallet and purse at home. And we're going to meet on a complimentary basis as many times necessary to, you know, fully analyze your personal situation and complete a personalized income plan. Now, for your convenience, we do have multiple locations, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and across the pond in Florence, Kentucky. And imagine this. You're going to meet one or all three of the guys you make a connection with over the weeks, months, and years, Barry, Greg, or James. And uh, we can come to you. And actually, uh, if you're not mobile, we can come to your, your home. We've been known to do that. If you have a 401k, 403b, and you're no longer with that company, we can help you on a tax-neutral basis roll that out into a traditional IRA, maybe a Roth IRA, depending on the status, we can help you with that. So give us a call, 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email us at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. James? Well, today's topic, how behavioral biases can affect your investment success and also how it can affect your retirement success. So sometimes when we talk about emotions, we talk about biases, built-in biases that maybe are based on logic. Maybe they're just simply based on emotions. Maybe they're based on past experiences. So no matter what those biases are based on, some of them can be counterproductive to your success, whether it be your investment success or your retirement success. And yes, when you reach a certain age, typically your investment success does transition into retirement success. Now, if you're in retirement or simply planning for retirement, this shows for you because if you're feeling a bit maybe stressed, some anxiety, maybe excitement when you look at transitioning to retirement, we want to make sure that though that you're not overwhelmed by the process. So making smart financial decisions, it's not an easy task. And it's understandable if you do start to feel some pressure, maybe, again, a bit overwhelmed by the whole process. And it's also human nature that emotions, yes, emotions and behavioral biases will impact influence. And for some, they let it control their decision making. And that's what we want to have you avoid is having the emotions controlling your decision making. And the impulse, it could undermine your investment success. So notice I say it could undermine. There are times when you buy a stock, you think, well, I have a gut feeling about this particular investment, or you've done your own research on that particular fund or, again, stock, and you do find success. Sometimes it's picking what the winners and the losers are. Sometimes it's just misremembering that, oh, yeah, I've also had some failures along the way. So if you learn to overcome your emotions and your biases in retirement, you can make more informed investment decisions. And yes, it can help you work towards the retirement that 
you want to have, whether it's what your hopes and dreams are or just simply what you think is reality. So today's show, this is when we're going to explain some of these different biases and ways to overcome not only the emotions, but also the biases. So the two main ones, Barry, when we talk about fear, we talk about greed and the different manifestations of how those come. So think about the whole spectrum of when you see the market going up, what do you want to do? You want it to continue to go up. You see your investment portfolio also rising. And what do we want? We want more. That's called greed. Then on the other side, you look at what happened back in 2008. You look what happened uh, just this past March when we had some market losses, maybe some dramatic market losses. And that's when the fear started to set in. So what happened next? So if you think back just to this past March, think about how you reacted to the stock market basically tanking. Did you pull your money out of the market? Did you have the losses first and then pull your money out of the market? And then did you find the time to get back into the market? So in other words, what happened in April, Barry? Yeah, April, May, June, and even July, we've had at least three months, three and a half months of recovery. And most most people and most of our clients are about, about to break even or maybe, maybe a smidgen up if you didn't panic. And guess what? Lock in your losses. If you sold when it was down, you locked in your losses. And there are some people, some clients even, that decided that they wanted to move to perceived safety, which is to say they went from investing in equities to basically investing in bonds after the market. Yes, or even going to cash after the market declined in March. And they lost the uptick. And they lost the uptick. Very good point. So take us through some of these thought-provoking questions that tie into today's show. Well, uh, what exactly are behavioral biases? Uh, how can overconfidence impact me in retirement? That's a good word, overconfidence, or in some cases with the snake bite effect, underconfidence. What steps can I take to help get the emotions out of investing? You know, emotions are human. So we're not going to remove them, but it's controlling them that matters. How about the fear of regret? And how can I avoid that and affect my retirement plan? What should I look for when choosing a financial advisor? That's always important on our show. How can a financial advisor help me take emotion out of investing and build a plan that allows me to have confidence in retirement? James? Well, something that we see quite often is when clients, prospective clients, are, I would say, misallocated towards their risk. When we say, what is your risk number? What is the amount of money that you have in your nest egg? How much of that are you comfortable with having exposed to market risk? How about this? I want zero risk with S&P returns. That's what I want, James. Can you give it to me? Absolutely. You better say not. Absolutely not. How about that? I didn't finish my thought. Absolutely. Dramatic pause. Not. You were being. Okay. So here's the point. When. You are having that upset stomach, that stomach acid is churning, causing you sleepless nights, causing you regret that. Why did you ever get into the market in the first place? (laughs) That's a telltale sign that you have too much of your nest egg, too much of your investment dollars at full market risk. So market risk when it comes to equities, whether that be stocks, mutual funds, exchange traded funds that are tied to what we think of as the equities, the stocks. 
On the other side, there's the perceived safety of the bonds, the bond market. Now, typically what we've seen recently with bonds, depending upon which bonds that you have bought, is it's a good way not to lose money. It's also a good way not to make money. So I'm not quite sure if that's the best way to invest because sometimes there are very effective bond replacement strategies that actually are not tied directly into the stock market. And there are many features and benefits. And yes, we are speaking of, by the way, of fixed annuities and specifically fixed index annuities that are linked to the underlying indices of, say, the S&P 500, the Dow, the NASDAQ. And there are other features and benefits that tie into the fixed index annuities. So we're not saying this is the best or the most suitable way to invest for everyone. But we are saying for a great number of people out there that this is a foundation to what should be your retirement way of investing. So some of your money can be very suitably invested in a fixed index annuity, a good fixed index annuity. And yes, there are good ones. There are bad ones. There is a big difference between the two. And that's why one of the reasons why you should come see us is to get one that's more suitable to your, whether it's the individual or collective needs, about what it is for the features and benefits of a fixed indexed annuity. And once again, a good fixed indexed annuity. Yeah, oftentimes when we go talk about risk, which is very important, uh, and we, we show historical returns, people will get hung up on, boy, I want this return. But are you willing to take that risk? Well, they say it initially, but as soon as we have a March situation or 2008 situation, they don't like that risk so much, James. So we got to identify exactly how much risk are you willing to take for the return that you deserve to get. And very importantly, when you transition from the working years to the retirement years, is now you have to start focusing on your nest egg also transitioning to providing income as well as the opportunities for future growth. So one of the best ways to generate income, an efficient way of generating income, is with an index annuity. And again, a good fixed index annuity. There's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors. LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Pernell. Folks, we're an independent advisory firm. That means we have all the tools available in the toolbox. We're not captive to a mothership. And we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So, when you come in to visit, like having a cup of coffee with an old friend, we're going to work for you as clients, not companies, to fully analyze your situation and come up with a plan for you. Now, we have multiple locations for your convenience, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky, and even known to come to your home if you're not very mobile. 
hey, if you have a 401k, 43B, or some kind of company plan, TSP, and you're no longer with that company, chances are you'll do better rolling that out, taking control of it, investing how you want to invest it. We can help you with that. It's tax neutral. It's usually just a phone call. And if you are with the company and you're over 59 and a half, many plans will allow you to do what's called an in-service rollover where you can take control of a portion of it uh, before you even retire. Give us a call, 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Send us an email. We'll answer every single one, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. James, where were we? Other options also for people that are maybe transitioning from the workplace environment, whether it's on a voluntary basis or involuntary basis, whether it's buyouts, corporate buyouts, or just simply the golden parachute or what, you know, is a gold covered parachute, maybe not entirely gold. Here's the point. There's the NUA analysis to be done. There is also, for some folks, the opportunity for an in-service rollover perhaps to be done. But the NUA analysis is especially important for those who have, say, large amounts of company stock in their retirement plan. And maybe that's appreciated in, in value. Maybe it's highly appreciated in value. So before you simply roll that out into an IRA, maybe, just maybe, the NUA is the way to go because there's a way to separate the cost basis from the appreciation, the capital appreciation that's in your accounts. And when it comes to taxes and paying taxes, think about the ordinary tax rates for your cost basis versus capital gains tax rates on the appreciation. So there is an at least an opportunity to look at. So before you make that decision, at least it's like the measure twice and cut once. Check to see if this applies to you. And if it does, what is the cost? What are the savings? Because you can, in taxes, potentially save thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, again, in potential taxes on your company stock. And in essence, that's paying capital gains taxes now instead of paying ordinary income tax somewhere in the future, sometime in the future. And you do control, by the way, when you pay those capital gains taxes because it depends upon when you actually sell that particular stock. You can spread it. Yes. So whether you decide that you're going to sell it all this year, spread it out over the next several years, that's the point, is the capital gains tax rates are almost always significantly lower than your ordinary tax rate. For example, if your ordinary tax bracket is the 10 or 12% tax rate, then the capital gains tax rate is a big whopping 0%. If you're in a higher tax bracket, such as the 22, 24, 28, et cetera, then your capital gains tax rate for long-term capital gains would be 15%. Now, if your income level is way up there, we're talking 35% for the ordinary income tax rates. It only, I say only, would be 20% for the capital gains. What's way up there? Give me an example. Four. Oh. But here's the point. No matter what, you're still looking at potential savings of thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars when it comes to the income taxes. If you can separate out the cost basis, the ordinary tax rates from the appreciation, the capital gains tax rates. So that's just one of the things that we offer. There's many other services that Brown Financial Advisors provides. But back to the topic of today's show about emotions and biases, Barry. Yes, emotions can be hard to deal with. 
So tell us more yeah. about that. Well, especially when it comes to your money, your nest egg that's invested in the stock market. Now, you, when you see the stock market go up, so does your money. And what do we want? James said this earlier, more, more, more. But if the market drops significantly, like it did earlier this year, 2008, we start to panic and we want to sell out of the market immediately. We know locks in your losses. And then fear says fear is very powerful. So greed and fear are the two main emotions that drive the stock market. And they can also drive how people manage your investment. Now, unless you have a plan by a financial advisor. So most successful investors are the ones who do not let greed and fear control their investment decision. That's very difficult. We can't eliminate it because we're humans. We're going to have emotions. But the key word there is control. So instead, they have a plan that is designed to weather the market correction and avoid allowing emotions to dictate the way they invest. It really comes down to your average rate of return over time. Most of our strategies are long term. So one year, one quarter, uh, even a couple year cycle, we can overcome that by an actively managed long term investment strategy. Now, there are also uh, many other emotions and behavior biases that can play a role in the whole process of investing. So we'll discuss this in detail throughout the show today. So give us a call, 513-575-9654. We can help you with that plan and control your emotions. And yes, we do understand that the market is quite volatile right now. We also understand that, well, most everything else in the world is quite volatile right now. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you have to give in to those emotions and those two, you know, those biases as well, because these can be damaging behaviors and they can be at least potentially damaging behaviors, typically caused by inaccurate decisions or inaccurate assumptions. Sometimes when we assume something, it may or may not be a three syllable word, but emotions that have a huge impact on your investment success not only during your working years, but also during retirement. What is more damaging typically when you reach the retirement years is that there's no do-overs. If you're still working, you still have the potential, at least the potential, to replace the income that was lost or the, the revenue or the growth that was lost by some poor decisions. So once you reach retirement, though, you don't have that renewable source of income from wages coming in. Hopefully you have renewable income coming in from other sources, such as Social Security, perhaps a pension, perhaps a self-funded pension. But nevertheless, during retirement, it's much more difficult to overcome some of these decisions. So one of the one of the biggest, is, I say biggest, biggest biases that we see is overconfidence, otherwise known as I'm the smartest person in the room type of a bias. And it is thinking that Yes, just like it sounds, that you have better information and you are better at interpreting that information than all the other investors, or at least maybe the experts. Now, keep in mind that there are times when this is actually true. But keep in mind also that most of the time, the majority of the time, that is not the case. The experts, the analysts, they spend their lifetimes, they spend their careers studying the market. And of course, no one's perfect, and that includes the, the analysts and the so-called experts, but oftentimes they do have a great deal of knowledge about 
the market. They do have a lot of expertise about what's going to happen or what should happen next in the market. But oftentimes when we have investors that do it yourself investors and they get a bit overconfident, what also happens is this is this is the action versus the reaction to today's news is you find yourself chasing the returns instead of capturing them, which means that you're almost always a day late and a dollar short. Yeah, every once in a while you can you can hit. But another thing is fear of regret. Now, the behavioral bias, fear of regret, we see this often, James. So it's holding on to an investment that has dropped in price, hoping that it will rebound to the extent that it can then be sold without regret. We see this most often with people who have large sums of money in their uh, own company stock, let's say, which is we think is a big mistake to fall in love with the company that you work for. I know it happens, but it's very common uh, occurrence. Now, think about this. If you hold on to a losing stock or stocks and you sell your winners, you're likely, James, to be left with a portfolio full of losers. Remember, the long-term goal of investing is not just to buy and sell stocks at favorable points, even though it's emotionally uh, adaptable or, or encouraged to do that. The goal is to build wealth over time, long-term investing. That's a great point. The goal of not only the long-term aspect in mind, but the building wealth over time. Great reminder there. And that's where we're going to stop for next commercial break. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And folks, we're an independent advisory firm with a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. So when you come in to visit, everything's complimentary. Uh, no matter how many times we have to visit to fully analyze your situation and come up with a plan just for you. We have multiple locations, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky. You're going to meet one, all three of the guys that you make a connection with. We've been doing this for over 10 years. I don't know how long you've listened, but you make a connection. We're not going to shove you off on somebody that you never heard. So if you have a 401k, 403b, some kind of company plan, we can help you roll that out if you're no longer with the company or if you are with the company uh, via uh, in-service rollover, we can help you roll that out and take control of it. Give us a call, 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Send us over an email at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Now, folks, we were talking about fear of regret. Well, now I'm going to talk about just the opposite, seeking of pride, we call it. It's just the opposite of fear of regret. This is selling an investment simply to experience the joy of boasting about how much you made on it. Uh, hindsight, of course, we know is 2020. But take, for example, an investor who bought 10000 worth of Amazon stock in its initial public offering way back when, 97, and sold it quick. It went up 20%. Hey, it's very tempting. Gain of 2000 sell it. Obviously, very nice short-term gain. But if they were to held on to it, James, for the next 20 years, 
You know what that 10,000 would turn into? $5 million. Now, not all stocks are like that. A 20% gain is nothing to sneeze at. But yes, it's an extreme example. Uh, but I just wanted to point it out. James? Yeah, sometimes the seeking of pride is also where you don't quite get the full story. It's mm-hmm. like out of the 10 stocks that you bought, you you had you made a great killing on five of them. So you only tell us about the five. You failed to tell us about the five that, you know, not so not so much. I was just thinking Kodak is a good example, but that'd be very tempting to sell when it was two fifty earlier and now it's thirty three dollars. That's a big gain. And then it was at one point fifty three dollars. And then it was $33. So depending upon which hour you bought <laughs> yeah. it and sold it. Yes. So the next one is about house money effect. This is where people tend to equate gains as if they were winnings, like at their the casino or something. And they start taking larger, at least larger than what should be for them normal risk, since maybe they have these market-driven additions to the original investment. Now they feel like they're playing with house money. Now it's taking these larger risks that could jeopardize your gains and possibly turn those gains now to losses. Then the next one is about what's called the snake bite effect. Ouch. Yes. And for some people, the snake bite effect means that they feel like somehow they control the universe. Here's what I mean by that is we'll just we'll just call her Susie Q. She feels like as soon as she buys a particular stock fund, that somehow that stock or fund will magically decrease in value. As if it, the stock or fund, knew that Susie bought it. So therefore now Susie controls the universe and that particular fund now goes into the tank. Negative Nancy. Yes. Those are, those are, that's one manifestation of the snake bite effect. But the other one is when people, also with Susie Q here, unwilling to take on risk or avoiding a particular investment once it has dropped in value. So, of course, the downside of avoiding investments that have dropped in value is you possibly miss out on the future potential gains. Typically, when we look at when's the best time to buy, it's when stuff's on sale, right? You want to buy low and sell high. That's what we want to do, but it's not always what we actually do. There are times when we think of when the market that particular fund or that particular stock has gone down in value, most human emotion says that's when I want to sell it because what's happened, not the greed, but the fear is set in. So the emotion tells us to sell when we should actually be doing the opposite, which is to buy. Barry, what's next? Well, trying to break even, trying to recoup losses quickly by making high-risk investments. We see this with do-it-yourselfers. Don't throw good money after bad by taking unnecessary risk that could result in even greater losses. Remember, long-term, pick a risk based on several questions. We'll try to identify as, as, as narrow as possible, but stick to that over the long-term. Reference points, making buy-sell decisions in terms of gains and losses relative to certain reference points, such as planning to sell stock when it reaches a predetermined price. That's like stop loss. It's not necessarily the way to go. Familiarity, you're familiar. This is investing only in companies, municipalities, or other entities which are most familiar to you. Maybe in the media, what you hear, this happens often and can be okay for portions of your portfolio, but probably not for all of it, or maybe just a small portion as you may be passing up 
other investments or asset classes that have better potential for you. Well, and some of these behaviors or biases, there's there's some good in all of these different things. It's, we're not saying that these are all bad. We're just saying if if you fall prey to this particular bias, then you limit the upside of your investment p- potential. So going back, for example, to the reference points, yes, that can be a good way to invest is when you put in a proper stop loss order. But again, we're talking about the do-it-yourselfer approach to this versus letting an investment manager handle your investments. And familiarity. This is this is balanced by the fact of what are good companies to invest in. Sometimes we look at, well, what are we familiar with? What are the products? What are the companies that we actually use? So if you look at in today's environment, some of the more important products that we are using, maybe look at those companies as at least potentially something to invest in. But here's here's again, one of the problems with that is, do you equate a good company with having a good stock price? That's not always the case. Sometimes good companies, not so good when it comes to the stock price. Give you a good example of that one, perhaps is General Electric. Now, maybe it's a good company. Maybe it's a great company. It's been a long, uh, around for such a very long time. But if you look at the current stock price, which is probably around 6 or $7 a share versus what it was a few years back when it was maybe 50 or $60 a share. So was it a good company then? Is it a good company now? Does that mean that they don't make good products? They don't bring good things to life? I'm not going to say that necessarily. I'm just going to say don't equate the stock price of the company as being the indicator or the sole indicator of that being a good company. So another behavior or bias that we see is what's called mental accounting. Now, this is typically what we see when people classify their investments by accounts instead of asset classes. Now, why that matters is it's important to keep all of your accounts in mind and manage them as one large portfolio. Why this matters is because that's ensuring that you have proper diversification. It also helps to eliminate or to limit as much as possible the redundancies, the overlaps, the cost inefficiencies in your portfolio. That's one of, when we look at when people come to see us and we put their current investment portfolio under the microscope, we run our what's called our PAR process, and we see exactly what are these different inefficiencies that they have in their portfolios. And yes, we will see that they have overlaps, redundancies, where they have different types of funds that own the same underlying stocks over and over and over again. So we're not saying, for example, that Apple's a good company or a bad company inside your portfolio. We're saying you shouldn't be owning it 10 separate times is what we're saying. If if you think Apple is something that you should own in your portfolio, own it once, but not 10 separate times and paying essentially the fees of owning it 10 separate times. Another behavior or bias that we see is called representativeness. And I just covered this a little bit ago about equating these, uh, what we call the characteristics of future success or failure of the good company with the good stock price. So once again, not all good companies will do well in the stock market. GE is a prime example of that. And it is important to see the whole picture in order to make informed and proper investment decisions. 
Yeah, another one would be the endowment effect. Now, that, that means placing extra value on investments you already own, feeling a personal loss, and giving them up. You fall in love with them, basically. Keep in mind that an investment, a stock, a bond, mutual fund, ETF, whatever it is, doesn't know you own it. And, it, and more importantly, it doesn't care. So don't fall in love with any investment. Be willing to move on the investment if the investment falters in order to seek better opportunities. That's called active management. It, it also never- sounds like investment and relationship advice. Yeah. Disposition effect. This is very common. This is reacting to media releases or company-specific news by neglecting to react to macroeconomic developments, the fundamentals of a particular stock. Uh, this happened with Kodak, with the announcement of, during a, a speech that Trump gave that it, they were going to start doing drugs after many years of really not changing. Well, how about this? They're a chemical company now, not yeah. a film company yeah. now. And, and that's why it exploded. So that that's a short-term success story, but... In the long term, with long-term investing, no, we don't react on that kind of stuff. They're doing drugs, producing drugs, kind of the same thing. It could could lead to, this type of behavior could lead to buying and selling investment at the least opportune time. So think about it. Any news on an investment that you read or see on TV are likely already factored into the price. That's, That's the best reminder is that the news of the day has already been factored into the stock market price. So when you act versus react, that's when you wind up chasing returns versus capturing the returns. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. We're an independent advisory firm. We have fiduciary responsibility to do it's in your best interest. So we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. We have multiple locations, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky. We can help you roll over that company plan. If you're no longer with a company, take control of it. It's tax neutral. Invest it how you want to invest it. Give us a call, 513-575-9654. Don't forget our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our email, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. James? Well, when it comes to the behavioral biases and retirement risks and also your investment decisions, this is where you really need to understand more than just the emotions and the biases. You need to understand what the actual risks are, the specific risks are when it comes to retirement risk. So for starters, you need to know and keep in mind your objectives. That means your retirement objectives your goals, your risk tolerance. And when I say your risk tolerance, sometimes the husband versus the wife have very different risk tolerances. So that also means the family, the individual collective family needs, the income needs, time horizon, all these things are very important. So to build a cohesive and comprehensive retirement plan, you do not want to try to figure this out on your own, at least that's likely not going to be the best way to do this. You should work with a financial professional in our professional opinions. So some of the risks that you need to be aware of and built in and have as components of your overall plan, Barry, what are some of these risks? Uh, Well, longevity risk. Life expectancies are increasing and medical advances are improving. So this is making it harder for retirees to plan for a longer life and hopefully a healthier life. But 
many retirees today could easily enjoy 25, 30 years of retirement. So you have to create a plan not to run out of money before you run out of life. Well, I do want to interject here with one big giant curveball that has not yet been factored into the longevity tables is what's going to be the impact of all this COVID coronavirus crisis. And depends upon basically who gets put in nursing homes is a big factor. But yes, the life expectancy tables may actually take a hit after what's happened here this past year with the reactions and the maybe underreactions, in some cases overreactions to the COVID-19 crisis. So Barry, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm personally less inclined to believe it's going to have much of an impact on that. But another risk is inflation risk. Now, that's part of our world. You got to live with it. And, you know, relatively speaking, inflation also means that the purchasing power of your dollar has gone down as inflation occurs year after year. And it's been relatively low compared to what I remember in the 80s, two and a half, three percent. So with the cost of goods and services, health insurance, property taxes and many other prices will go up over time. So you have to build a plan that accounts for that. Well, and inflation risk also doesn't mean that everything goes up by the same amount or the same rate at all times. What we see with healthcare costs is that what we think of as the medical rate of inflation is actually higher than the overall rate of inflation. There are some goods and services like the price of gasoline, for example, compared to other costs that have not gone up nearly as fast or as quickly. So if you look at the price of bread, eggs, and milk at the grocery store, sometimes you have to factor in, did they shrink the packaging or did the price just simply go up? And also, depending upon the goods and the services, again, how fast is the rate of inflation rising? But over the course of time, and if you look at over the course of, say, 20 years time, and you look at what the costs are now versus what the costs will be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, It's really a sobering statistic, there's that word, about what is the cost, the projected cost of healthcare. So specifically, healthcare components such as long-term care. You look at what the cost of long-term care stays are right now, and then projecting that out over the 5, 10, 20 years, what they look like then. Those are some scary numbers, and that needs to at least be a part of at least a consideration of any retirement plan is what is the potential cost of a long-term care stay. Another risk that we see quite often is the volatility risk. Yes, this risk does relate to not only with what we have previously covered as far as the previous emotions, but as you get closer to retirement, the amount of volatility that you allow or have the tolerance for sometimes The volatility itself is what causes sleepless nights, upset stomach, stomach acid churning. And that also typically means that you're taking on more risk than what you have the tolerance for. And volatility, we typically, this is another bias that we have built in, is we normally associate volatility with a negative. But as Barry mentioned before about Kodak, or if you look at the tech stocks from, say, April to now, Volatility for those have basically been what? Positive volatility. So along with the rain, there's got to be a little sunshine sometimes. Volatility doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It just means it is a thing. And how you handle that is part of the entire planning process. 
Another big risk factor is the expense risk. And yes, it does involve the need to pay for life events. Sometimes what we have for known life events, maybe the unknown life events. Something almost always comes up, life happens. And especially when you say, well, over a long span of time, what's the likelihood of having these unforeseen or unplanned for expenses that need to be paid for? So the money that you have saved, yes, it's the emergency fund, those rainy day funds, and using for return costs have to be able to absorb some occasional big ticket items that will come along at the way. Now, another risk, this might be the final one for today, is about solvency risk. This is what we deal with when we have outside sources of income, such as Social Security, and most commonly, the pensions. So the solvency, we, we do have a high degree of confidence that the Social Security program will remain solvent for many decades to come, very simply because of this. The government is really, really good at raising taxes. So the likelihood that the 40-year streak of them raising taxes on the Social Security program will remain intact, which means to say that they will raise taxes on Social Security to keep the program running to keep it solvent. That's not the case, perhaps, with pensions. When you look at the individual company's risk of that company staying solvent, Here's the downside of it not staying solvent is your pension that was at a so-called guaranteed level might be reduced if the government has to take over the pension via the pension guarantee fund. So if you have a 20, 30 or even 50 percent haircut on what was a guaranteed payout via your pension, well, how does that affect your income? How does that affect your individual? How does it affect your collective? How does it affect your family income? And unfortunately, even if these do seem secure, you need to have some type of backup plan or part of your retirement plan just in case something happens to those pensions. Yeah, you know, back to emotions, it's, it's, it's really nearly impossible to remove emotions and risk when it comes to retirement planning, but there's ways to improve it. Some of the different risks in retirement cannot be avoided, but a well-thought-out plan and, a, and an updated plan can be addressed. As far as emotions go, when investing your hard-earned dollars in retirement, you have to build a plan to avoid some of the traps that you could fall into that we talked about today. And if you just wing it in retirement and make rash decisions with emotions, you're likely going to damage your retirement. So there's some steps, James. Go over some yes. steps. Yes. One step is controlling what you can control. That means focus on what you can control and try not to stress or worry about what you cannot control. Also, it helps to focus on the retirement plan. That means having a plan in the first place and staying with or sticking to that plan. And also communication is key. Communication, very important. That means both the husband and the wife need to be involved, actively involved. That's part of the communication. So Barry, take us out. Okay. Thanks for listening today, folks. Keep in mind, we work for you as clients not companies. Give us a call. We can help you at 513-575-9654. Please go to our website at Brown Financial Advisors. Look at our podcast. Uh, have a great week. Remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you. <laughs>